Hello and welcome to Perth G Holdings Cultural Connection. My name is Mark Coleman and your host for this series. Firstly, I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land we broadcast from today, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. In our second episode today, we are joined by Perth G Holdings Site Manager, Russell Farr, who manages the SKA camp in remote Western Australia for one of our most valued clients, CSIRL. Russell, welcome to our PSG Holdings podcast. Thanks, Mark. I'd also like to pay my respects to the traditional owners, the Southern Yamaji peoples, and elders past, present, and future on whose country I am today. Thanks, Russell. Um, Russell, we're going to just run into a couple of questions to get the podcast going. Um, firstly, Russell, look, can you tell us where your location is and, and what your role is for PSG Holdings? Because it's a, a very unique contract that we've got that's probably one of the most remote sites that we have. Yeah, Mark. Um, so Bellardi Station is located... 330 kilometres northeast of Geraldton in Western Australia's Midwest. Currently, um, a site manager of the Bellardi Accommodation Facility, which has 40 rooms for accommodation and a pastoral management program we run at the moment. Sounds great. Sounds very remote, Russell. How do you actually get to site? It's a very unique place to get to. Uh, it's either by road or by air. How do you actually get to work each day? So at uh, Bellardi, we do a weekly rotation roster on a Friday which is drive-in, drive-out of Jolton, 100 kilometres of bitumen, 230 kilometres of gravel. You know, so it's a nice four-hour drive on a Friday. Other than that, uh, we have a Cessna plane that comes out on a Monday morning. Some start, some of my full-time staff come out with Syro, uh, courtesy of Syro. They help us out with getting staff to site. Yeah, no, great place to work. Some of my experiences, for me, leaving Sydney, I've got to get a, uh, a flight from Sydney to Perth then a, a flight from Perth to Geraldton, then hire a car, and then drive the 330Ks from Geraldton to Bellardi. And it's, it's, it's an experience that I've done on my own, but one of the most beautiful drives that I've ever had. We understand that there's no radio coverage as we're driving. Russell, some of your experiences when you've been driving that road and you've done it over and over for a long time now, Tell us some of the interesting things that you've seen along the way. Oh, yeah. Apart from the wildflowers in the last couple of months, you know, which were just static, probably the best year in the last seven or eight years. But, you know, we go everything from stock on the roads, wedgetail eagles, seen some camel, tra- camel trains, you know, you come across in the middle of, uh, middle of the Murchison, you know, husband and wife team just tracked across from Queensland to coming through Bellardi, headed to Sharks Bay. And that was on their third trip. Three years in a row. Wow, wow. And you talk about the flowers growing, Russell. The, there, there is a, a reef flower um, in a certain location along that drive that is the only place in the world that it grows. Yeah, so, the, so at Pindar, which is you know, on our start of our 200-kilometre drive north on the gravel road, uh, Pindar is a lo- local locality there. And, yes, the, the West Australian reef flower is just magnificent. I'll send you a photo, couple I took this year. And, you know, like we have, you know, you pull up on this gravel road at this time of the year and there's just caravans as far as you can see. You know, people come to come to have a squeeze. 
And then six months later, you'll be the only person on that road all day. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Other than your role as site manager, Russell, what are some of the things that outside of work that you actually enjoy on a weekly basis out there? Right. So so my background, I come from a farming community. I used to live um, probably 200 miles from from the facility we are on now. So I love getting back on country, even though it's not my my country. I still like going back out. I love the wildlife and fauna opportunities that we have out there. You go for a drive. There's no way you're doing 100 kilometres now. You're doing 70 kilometres hours. Just just in awe of some of the things you see. Like the other day, I seen a, a bush turkey with a wedge tail eagle sitting on the back pruning him. Wow. You know, you, you would never have an opportunity to see that before. You know, and I, I had the local uh, traditional owner with me, and he just couldn't believe it himself. You know, and it was just one thing, you know, one of those moments where you never have a camera, of course. Oh, I love feeling appreciated by the local the local people, you know, that does make me feel good, you know, even though it is part of my job, but I still like going to the community and, and you know, I go down to the community and I'll, I'll go from house to house. Before I used to kind of sit in my car and wait for them to come to me, but now, you know, like I'm welcome. So that, that, that makes a nice part of my day. I like going to the community. I like engaging with them. Russell, what about when um, you're sitting on that back deck, uh, cup of tea, it's about half past six at night and that sun's starting to go down? Yes, yes, it can be uh, 5.30 in the morning or 6.30 at night. The views we have at Bilardi, you know, from down our driveway watching the sunset to looking out the back kitchen deck watching the sunrise. I mean, full moons and blood moons, mate, we are very spoiled out there. Especially, you know, the stars, you don't even need lights to walk around at night time. It's that bright. From my point of view, being a city a city folk, I've seen lots of uh, um, Aboriginal art everywhere. When you go out to Bilardi, you get a real appreciation where that ochre colour comes from. Yes, definitely. Definitely. It is It is the colour of the country. And um, there is some local mines that they do for their for their Indigenous uh, paintings and carvings. There is an ochre site around Bilardi. Yeah, no, it is a beautiful scenery. Yeah, um, Everyone in Sydney and New South Wales, the team over there, are just starving to get back to, to site. Not, and that's the CSIRO team. I know yourself are keen to. But we've got a lot of workforce, or a lot of CSIRO had a lot of workforce that are Eastern Staters, and it's been hard for them to try and manage their programs whilst lockdown's been on. So, Russell, as you know, PSG was awarded this contract back in 2016. Can you tell us a bit about the history of the Bilardi site itself? Because it's a very significant site in regards to history. I understand, and I'm not too sure, but it could be one of the first cattle stations ever ever established in Australia? Yeah, so Bilardi Station um, was a working siege station in the late 1880s, you know, and that was uh, put together by Frank Whitnoon and one other gentleman, super mind at the moment, look into that. But, uh, yeah, they, they established uh, Bilardi Station in the 1880s, mainly as a 25,000 sheep station to start with, and then... As time evolved, you know, cattle come into it. But um, yeah, no, it's been a historic, uh, historic site. You know, the local indigenous engaged, as you know, in our past generations and that. Yeah, how they how they worked on land and that kind of stuff. So you know, it's good to be out there and try and reconcile and and claw back some of this. Yeah, yeah, you talk about that reconciliation uh, just then, Russell. Um, a little bit of history that I know um, about the the initial contract. CSIRO actually approached us. The camp itself was being run by the Aline family back in 2016 before we actually took the contract over. 
And part of the, the reverse brief back to us as CSIRO had asked PSG, could you give us a solution to manage the camp? Now, PSG is a cleaning and construction company, but Russell, we, we, we actually do catering and airfield maintenance and management out there now. Like, can you tell us some of the, the services that we provide? Myself and my assistant manager, Steel Bowers, we're both uh, fully qualified chefs. So, you know, one of our focuses out there is the hospitality, you know, but other than that, we run our pastoral management programs, which is um, we've got like 45 uh, rangeland sites that are monitored every year by the Rangelands Association. I mean, we pay a doctor to come out and monitor those, do reports, report back to CSIRO, water point inspections monthly, cleaning of the MRO buildings and MRO site where the 36 dishes are. Yeah, a lot lot of acronyms we're using here for our listeners. Um, So we we might just delve a little bit into that and let them know actually what SKA means and and what the actual camp does and what CSIRO is actually trying to achieve on that project. Yeah, so the SKA is a square kilometre array, which is an international program that's about to start. Um, Well, we've got our first contractors coming next week. So that's an international on monitoring space and they're going to place 170,000 antennae on, on our station, on our million acre station. Wow. Um, so that's just going to monitor the monitor you know, certain points in space. But at the moment, their first infrastructure program to show the world that Australia can really do it was the uh, Pathfinder program, which is the MRO, Murchison Radio Observatory, where they have 36 dishes um, monitoring the same point in space. We have the receiver here in Australia and South Africa have the transmitter. Yes. So it's a real global operation out there. We've, I think there's, there's eight or nine countries in the pack now, um, including the UK. I had a look at the uh, MRO site when I was there uh, where we had the initial dishes set up. Some of the CSIRO staff told me an interesting story and I think it may have been just prior to you starting that they used to get a certain ding coming through the telescopes at a certain time each day, and we were we, we were thinking that it could potentially be some uh, some alien life trying to contact us, but then we realised it was one of the staff members heating their cup of tea up in the microwave every day at the same time. <laughs> so that was a, a little bit of a running joke at the start of all that. Um, I just thought I'd mention that. But there's some really key people on, on the ground for CSIRO out there that are doing some wonderful work. Yeah, so Brett Hiscock is our uh, site site manager and has been for the last five years that I've worked with because we're going to an international site. You know, there's a, a few key stakeholders. You know, we've got Dr. John Reynolds who's, and Vicky Drasnock in, the, in Sydney that run the, run the facility. You know, Brett Hiscock is a, is a man on the ground with himself. And then we've got a nice support team in, in Geraldton, is the uh, Murchison support facility. Where we've got Rochelle and Inna, you know, anything we need, yeah, we just ring up and it's on its way. Yeah, and we've got Vicky and Jeff King. Yeah, Jeff King and Ross Casey on the, on the CB side. They help us out with uh, any infrastructure and contractual requirements. Yeah, and, and Russell, just going back to you for a minute, it's a pretty pretty unique story yourself. You started off as a chef with PSG on Bilardi and worked your way through to actually managing the whole camp for us. It's a unique story in itself. How do you feel about that? Yeah, and I feel, you know, from being a chef, a qualified chef in, in large hotels, to actually have a break and get out onto country. And, you know, it's been great for me and my family. You know, we've uh, you know, definitely fitter than, you know, sitting around in restaurants all day kind of stuff. So life opportunities has been great. 
Yeah. Uh, and then when it comes to me and my sister Maggie Steele, both qualified chefs, so we love you know love mentoring staff and that. So we have a, a huge focus on hospitality, you know, training up apprentices, mentoring younger children or young adults. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So so Russell, and we'll, and we'll talk a bit more more about that now. One of the remits of of uh, PSG's contract was when we first had taken over the contract from the Helene family. Uh, there was very little Indigenous engagement from the local pie community, which is 20 kilometres down the road. We found that um, highly un- unusual. But people like yourselves uh, have really set some um, significant milestones in our Indigenous engagement, uh, and especially with contractors as well. How many Indigenous staff do we have actually working on uh, Blardy and from the pie community or from the wider Wiradjuri community? Yeah, so at the moment we're 80% Wajari, so that's local local Indigenous, 80% workforce. We've got a, a small gate of 12, you know, so there's only myself, Steele, and one other non-Indigenous person. And, yeah, so from the community, uh, when I first started, there was nobody. We used to have one person that would come like once a week if we were lucky. Um, we used to fly in, fly out, two full-time workers from Geraldton. You know, in the last three years we've worked on that, so we've, we've reduced our our dependence on FIFO by 50%. So now we're engaging, so I've got like four utilities that come from the local community that really job share a 60-hour job that had FIFO out of Jelton, which is great for the local community. You know, the monetary is going in, into there and also the younger generation seeing their, their parents and uncles and aunties going to work because there's been like two generations of non-work in the merch scenario. Yeah, because Russell, that that site's really unique. So when you talk about Western Australia um, uh, traditional owner groups, most people connect that with working with mining companies like Rio Tinto. But the Bilardi site and the traditional owner land, it's it's the only or one of the only areas in Western Australia that has no natural resources. So that local pie community, the source of income that's coming from Bilardi Camp is is so important for them. And you and the team out there have done a wonderful job in engaging with the local community, even to the point, Russell, that you, you were given an award by the local pie community. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Yeah, so I've had some. Uh, I've been working with the community over the last few years, and it's been. Um, you know, it was a it was a hard hard task to start with, but uh, in the last couple of years, it's come around. Uh, Eighteen months ago, we had a school assembly, and I was awarded an award. You know, for all my. Uh, work with the community in like food health, student placement, catering for NAIDOCs and assemblies, you know, and, and this award was uh, made by the children themselves, you know, and presented to me in front of the children, you know, it just, just made myself feel real appreciated and made me want to strive harder to try harder for them. Yeah, wow. That's an unbelievable story unfolding yeah, out right. there, Russell. Um, Russell, can, can you tell us a little bit about some of the roles on site there for PSG, like um, some specific roles that we actually do? Yeah, so, there, so there's myself, which is, is management, and I've got Steele Bowers, who's my assistant manager. He's also uh, cooking as well. So he does, he cooks one week, manages the second week. I have a young uh, Indigenous Wajari apprentice at the moment, Jamali Howard. Um, he's coming along leaps and bounds. So he's we're mentoring him at the moment because, as you know, we have trouble in Australia at the moment with employing chefs or really any qualified personnel. So our answer is, you know, we've got to train our own. And moving forward, you know, with the next international site coming on, I'm working with, you know, ATC, the Australian Training Commission. And we started this joint venture, which we'll talk about later, with the local uh, Indigenous and try and mentor those children that are now at school 
you know, like year 10 and 9, you know, thinking in three and four years' time to try and place them in a position with us. Russell, what, what's one of the coolest things you've achieved out there? I know we've we've trained some um, some young chefs from the pie community and they've actually gone on to um, bigger and better things for other employees outside of country. Yes, so definitely. Um, Shana Danicheski, she was a, a local uh, Indigenous girl. We took, me and still took her on a few years ago, trained her up. In the end, she uh, worked salary for PSG uh, after she qualified for four months. But given the opportunities that we've given her, she's in Perth, living life with opportunities for the rest of her life. Also, another great story is, you know, we had a Mulgana girl who we put through a business management course. After leaving PSG, now she's running a, or she's a resource manager for the Casuarina Prison Education Department, which is focused solely on Indigenous, which is another feel-good story. Yeah, wow. Obviously, um, you, you, you're kicking great goals out there on behalf of PSG, and, and, and we love you for it. It's one of uh, my favourite projects that PSG has ever done. Um, I was involved very, in the very early days getting it off the ground. But what's some of the really unique challenges that, that you've faced? I know you've just talked about some really cool stuff, but, um, you know, we're talking about remote sites and, um, you know, wet season, you know, getting food in and out, you know, um, what, what's some of the, the, the biggest challenges you faced? Yeah, so, I mean, to start to start with the, the staffing challenge um, from from getting Geraldton staff, you know, younger ones, you know, that love their city city comforts, you know, and we took them to a remote site and, yeah, it didn't really, you know, we had a high, high staff turnover because those girls were missing their, their creature comforts. You know, compared to now we've got, I mean, we only got one fly-in, fly-out, but um, those girls are used to living on country and it's so much easier for me. But one of the biggest challenges would be the remoteness of getting uh, goods and services to site. You know, sometimes we can have rain, the roads are closed for weeks at a time, including our airstrip, which we manage, so we just shut the airstrip the shire closed the roads and we just have to wait, sit and wait. So we've got a nice got a nice uh, food storage system so we can go up to a month, no dramas at all. A couple of years ago, we had some staff st- stuck on site around Christmas time. We couldn't get them out. A- and we, we, were, we were considering um, hiring a helicopter to go in and rescue them. Yes, there's been a couple of instances like that. You know, say, so if you, you travel south, it's only 300 kilometres to Geraldton. But if that road's closed, you might take another road, which is 1,000 kilometres. You know, and that road's open. So it's up to you whether you, sometimes it's uh, toss a coin whether you wait a couple of days at site and wait for it to dry out or you, you take a big challenge. And Yeah, okay. It's a, and, and I just, Russ, I want to finish off and what I really want to talk about the, the JV between PSG and Well. It's um, when we first were invited to, to actually take on this contract back in 2016. I remember Troy and myself, and we, we spoke to the, the the TOs out there that you know we were visitors to their to their country, and the main aim for all of us, the end goal, was that we'd be able to build their capability to one day take over this camp themselves, and PSG exit, uh, so they've got that whole revenue stream coming in uh, on a long term basis because. We know that the SKA is, is a 50 to 60 year operation out there. Um, the opportunities for local people to actually build their own future is, is enormously important to PSG Holdings. Um, so last year when the contract was up for renewal, we finally, after three years of negotiation with the traditional owners, set up the joint venture. So so now half that revenue goes back to to, to Well, who's their corporate arm of the, of the um, traditional owner group. And 
you know, we can see, you know, the the light at the end of the tunnel in a few years' time as we're building and help building the capability of the local pie community to take over from PSG and we, we exit this over a period of time. Uh, how important do you think that is to to the locals to, to know that they're, they're, they're going to be running that camp at some point themselves? I mean, I think it's very important. I mean, they can already see the uh, benefits, you know, from the amount of consistent workforce we have from Pyre, you know, on 80%. You know, I think their their focus is uh, like 99% live, own and work, I think is the Wadri Enterprises Limited um, on the new SKA site, live, own and work for 60 years. So, and that, that you know, so there's a there's a goal, and there's a, you know there's there's a, a brighter future for the for the local indigenous and and the whole Wadjuri Yamaji. Yeah, so the, for the local traditional owners and their kids that that actually exited and left the Pi community uh, because of no opportunity, we can all see now there's an opportunity to to bring people back to country. It's so important for that to happen. Um, so PSGs, hopefully, we've played our role. Russell, we, we we are so grateful for what you've done out there in the team. We'll try and get out there as soon as we possibly can, as soon as the borders open, to revisit the team again. It's a, it's a lovely experience. Thanks for joining us today. We've really enjoyed it. Thanks a lot, Mark. It was great. This has been another radio production, recorded and produced on the Gadigal lands of the Eora Nation.